Before we get to this week's episode, we want to remind you that while this show will always be free, we also have a Patreon where you can get even more fandom. Um, you can visit patreon.com slash the fandom show where for just a couple bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early, you can get random fan mail from us, you can check out the nerds letter where we talk about stuff that we're get- getting into this month, or you can listen to our patron exclusive, The Fan Club, where we watch movies one of us loves and the other one has never seen. This month, we watched Jaws, which Steph had never seen. Um, and it is very fun. We decide on what sharks would sound like if you blow into their mouths. So <laughs> once more, that's patreon.com slash the fandom show. But you're also already doing the most supportive thing, which is just listening. So thank you so much. And let's get to the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Stephanie Malik. And I am Kaya Green. And today we're talking about the blues of Colin. We're talking about <laughs> tossed salad, and we're talking about scrambled eggs. Oh my. We're talking about Frasier. Frasier. Now, uh, this one we actually don't have a guess for. This is one of Kaya's fandoms. It is. Uh, and it is December when this is coming out, which is the month of Kaya's birthday. So they picked their fandom. So Kaya, um, normally we ask here, tell us what you know about Frasier, but you're going to be doing that for the <laughs> whole episode. That's the whole episode, baby. So let's just jump right in. How would you explain Frasier to someone who knows nothing about Frasier? Okay, great question. My first question would be, do you know anything about Cheers? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because Frasier is a spinoff, uh, famously one of the most successful spinoffs in television history, of a character that was on the show Cheers, Um named Fraser Crane. Um, and the show individually is about a, a psychiatrist uh, who moves back home to Seattle um, to take a job um, doing a radio show. And he ends up moving in with his elderly father. Um, and you get the family dynamics of him, his father, uh, their caretaker, and uh, his brother as well, um, as well as the dynamics of everything at the radio station uh, where he works. Um, and it's a very, like, it's kind of a highbrow tone, very, like, metropolitan, like, liberal elite kind of vibe to it. Um, but it very much punches up at uh, silly rich people. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so how did you get into Frasier? Because it came out, you were probably quite young at the time that it came out. So how did this kind of permeate into your world? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. And like, you're, you're a fan of Frasier too. Oh yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm not coming <laughs> at this like, record. what's Frasier? No, I love Frasier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but for me, I, uh, like my parents were enormous fans. Like they were that the makes sense. target oh, yeah. audience. Oh yes. Your parents were absolutely <laughs> the like, right audience. Yeah, for this absolutely. Show. My, my parents, uh, are writers, actors. Uh, they, they are very much exactly this demographic. So probably um, loved to Sherry at the time. You know what? I can't say for sure, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they they thought the show was wonderful. They watched it religiously, and I remember being a young enough kid that I was like, "This show is so boring! Holy <laughs> shit! All they do is talk!" <laughs> like, because I was young enough, that I was like, "No one's falling down. <laughs> There's nothing blowing up. What is the point of this kind of entertainment?" Who would watch this garbage? Absolute garbage. But because I was like such a TV kid. Like I just, I loved the little worlds that they made that um, I would sneak, like after bedtime, I would sneak down the stairs where there was a little like landing and I would watch the TV over my parents' shoulders and they would have to turn around and be like, yeah, back upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) You little gremlin, get up there. Um, So I was so like into TV that I would go and watch Frasier from the little landing, even though I was like, it's so boring, but I want to watch it. And eventually I think I just started being like, wait, hang on. No, it isn't boring. It's good. And I remember when I started like, when we had cable back in that day, I started like watching episodes intentionally. And from that point on, I was just obsessed. So the last couple seasons of the show that were running, I remember watching it live, like when it would air. Yeah. Um, How about you? How, uh, when did you get into it? I mean, I feel like it was a thing that was on in my house and, uh, you know, 
Dad, if you're listening, correct me. Um, but <laughs> I feel like, you know, it was one of those shows that was on, uh, like, Murphy Brown. Yeah, like it yeah. Was, it oh, was my mom that. was a huge fan of oh, Murphy Brown, Oh, Murphy Brown too. was great. It well, was so good. Uh, this is not about Murphy Brown, but also watch Murphy Brown. Which means we can't talk about it at all. Everyone, <laughs> silence. Um, no, it was just, it was a show that was on a lot, and I feel like the characters, um, obviously being younger, I, uh, related a lot to Daphne. I was like, she's so cool and pretty and British. She was awesome. She was so Best fashion. I even rewatching it. I'm like, I would wear every outfit she wears in that show. Yeah, that's it, that totally makes sense. It yeah. truly did impact my fashion uh, style. Wild. That's how I feel about Niles. Wh- <laughs> what? <laughs> in what world do you dress like Niles? I do Crane? not. I do not. Even if I wanted to, I simply couldn't afford it. Who could? Who could <laughs> that we know. Um, we are liberal, but we are not elites. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot make that happen. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a liberal. I'd say I'm further left than most liberals right Ooh. now. Ooh. This this isn't the point at all. Um, let's let's talk a bit about the characters. So you mentioned the four lead characters. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about them and how they play into each other? Yeah. Oh, to- okay. Totally. So like one of the things that makes this show so special um, is the 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 writing and also the cast. The cast is phenomenal. Um, and it so it starts with obviously uh, Fraser Crane played by Kelsey Grammer, um, and he's established from Cheers, though they did retcon some things to spin this off. Um, um, and he's, yeah, he, he's basically a bit of a snob. He's very, like, uh, he likes his opera, he likes his sherry, he likes his wine, um, all of those things. He his, likes his, his women. Art. He Oh, he likes his women too much. He loves a woman. He's a sucker for a the, pretty face. There are so many episodes of Fraser Crane trying to woo a woman by bringing, him, uh, bringing her home and giving her, like, oysters and, and stuff, that there is a playlist on Spotify just called Song. Songs Fraser would play when he brought women home. <laughs> it is so funny. What, like, what kind of songs were they though? I, like, I can't remember. They're all like jazz. Yes, it's, the sexiest oh, music. It's just so funny. It's like just this. It's such an iconic element of the show if, that he's constantly trying to sleep with women. If someone brought you home and was like, "Hold on, let me just put some music on," and they put on like some sensual jazz, would that work for you? Asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't know because I, I think at this point I'd just be like, is that that playlist of all the music that Fraser brings home? And it would work. Uh, yeah, ma- actually, work. actually, yes. If it was this playlist and you were like, yes, it is, I would be like, sleep with me immediately. <laughs> I am so turned on right now. You get my references and that there's nothing sexier than that. <laughs> It is a lot of how our relationship is based on a lot of TV references. I mean, the first the the first two days we met were exclusively spent discussing Hobbitons. So that is yes. very true. So many photos. Um, okay, so we talked a bit about Fraser himself. Yes, and then you have his brother Niles, who it, very interestingly is very much like Fraser. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that David Hyde Pierce, the incredible actor who plays this character, he's um, a genius. The character was built for him, quite literally. Oh, the it wasn't a character they cast. Um, they were writing, putting the show together, and they, uh, one of the people who was casting Wings at the time, which all the same producers worked on, had a his headshot, and they all noticed how much, how similar he looked to Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. So they invented the part for him. He didn't audition. Wow. Um, and one of his concerns going into it was that the characters were too similar. That they were like they both, they both loved wine. They both love art. They both loved the opera. They both love fine dining. You know, um, and he was concerned it wouldn't work. But as it turns out, comedically, having two characters that are very similar can actually uh, create some like wonderful results. Yeah. So you often get them arguing over what opera is best, or arguing just like over revving each other up, and yeah. just like getting each other so worked up about things. Exactly. And comedically, they can get they can get themselves into scrapes because they both get too excited about the recent caviar that just <laughs> dropped, and then they both get too addicted to the caviar, and then they and they're very competitive with each other, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the comedic engine is there. And just David Hyde Pierce is—I, lit- he's literally a comedic genius. I think if there's anyone in this world has that has influenced the kind of comedy I love and like to do, it is David Hyde Pierce. Was he before Frasier happened? Do you know? Was he primarily theater, or was he doing television and film? I know he was big in theater, um, but I don't know what his actual history is in terms of television and film. I haven't like really looked into that. Um, I know that he was well known enough that he didn't have to audition. Yeah. Um, so. So that says something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I, I wonder what the context Should is. Should we on do that. a David Hyde Pierce like marathon 
at some point and just like go through his IMDb and watch everything he's been in? We most certainly I'm should do we that. Because every time I see him on screen, I'm just I want to watch him forever. Yeah, one hundred percent. One of my favorites is in Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. Oh my God, when he when he says, "Meet me at the picnic table in ten seconds," and then they walk <laughs> over to the picnic table, and he's like, "As you may recall, I asked you to meet me here ten seconds ago." <laughs> just the way his like staccato way of delivering lines, the like the way he pauses midline to like really hit a punchline. He's just an absolute masterclass. All right, we got Frazier. We got Niles. Let's go. Yeah. Um, the mo- the third, I'd say, most important ingredient in this, and then we'll sort of speed through a little bit more, is Martin Crane, yes. who is their father. Um, and uh, he, uh, oh my God, the actor's name John is John Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I was reading a bunch of facts before this. It's just my brain is a sieve. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, John Mahoney, um, he also was one of the other people that did not audition. Wow. Um, because he was their father first choice for the role um, and they it, like as soon as he got the script he said this is one of the best things I've received and just said yes to it um, so he yeah he he didn't audition at all um, so yeah basically he plays their father who is radically different from them and sort of the dynamic there is uh, what where did these two kids come from? Yes. Um, he is a retired cop, which is based on one of the creator's actual uh, fathers, mm. um, who was a retired cop in San Francisco. Um, and he suffered a bullet wound to the hip, which means that he now needs care. Um, and he's very reluctant to go live with Frazier. So you have this like almost odd couple relationship between a father and son who don't understand each other. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly one of the most beautiful relationships in the show to see them grow over the course of nine years. Years, um, to like love and appreciate each other and teach each other things and respect each other. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It's like it's it's such a like slow burn of a relationship, mm-hmm. but like they do they do it so so well. And John Mahoney is like uh, he, he's 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 my dad. He in cuts a way. to the heart, like, you know. He's my TV dad. Yeah. You know, I have a real dad. I love you, dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's my TV dad in a big way. Um, and then uh, the other cast members. There's uh, uh, Jane Leaves who plays Daphne. Daphne Moon. Oh, I love Daphne Moon so much. Um, she is uh, Mar- Martin's caregiver and uh, Niles' uh, crush forever and ever. Um, then you have Roz, the producer at the uh, uh, TV station. Radio and, station. Uh, radio station, sorry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, who else do you have? Uh, I mean, you get the people like Bulldog. Oh, I love Bulldog. There. Like there's um, Frazier's. Uh, Agent BB who comes in sometimes. Oh, uh, Lilith, of course. Lilith. Who only Frazier's appears in ex- 12 episodes. What? Yeah. She feels so much more present she in that does, show. She does, doesn't she? I mean, they obviously reference her a lot. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's Frasier's ex. And then, of course, who could forget? Maris. Maris. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maris is like an in-joke uh, in that she is uh, Niles' wife in the first, uh, first couple seasons. Um, but... Uh, she never appears. Yes, you never see Maris. You never, just ever. hear about this character who is so waifish and uh, delicate. Yeah, and so white that she's almost blue. Yeah. I believe she is referred to. <laughs> um, and uh, it's interesting because they, they actually didn't want to do this with her. They wanted to like have her appear. Mm-hmm. They were going to cast someone. Um, they only did it for the first couple episodes because they didn't want it to be uh, too similar to Cheers where one of the characters, uh, their wife never appears. Oh. I think it's Norm. Um, okay. Has a wife at home. I, I'm so sorry if I got that wrong. Cheers, friends, fans, friends, f- fans. Um, <laughs> uh, but they didn't want it to be too similar to that. But then they just had so much fun writing a woman that is impossible. <laughs> yes, this woman cannot possibly. Like, there's yeah. no way you could create this or find a person who matches any of these descriptions. Yeah, and then she became so iconic that, like, if you watch the uh, Simpsons episodes where uh, Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce play Sideshow Bob and Sideshow Mel. There's, Which is just, what a gift that was. Oh, my God. I just love how the Simpsons were just remixing culture all over the goddamn mm-hmm. place. Brilliant. It's so smart. But the the one where David Hyde Pierce appears as Sideshow Mel, he steps on a rake or something. Oh, no. Something happens where he, he somebody covers his eyes and he goes, Maris? Like <laughs> What? It, yeah. They, he just says Maris out of nowhere. Oh, my God. So she was that iconic that she appeared as a unrelated joke on a different show. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I I love that. I never caught that. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite Simpsons jokes. Um, so, uh, what character do you relate to the most, and 
uh, tell me which character you think I am. Oh, incredible. There is no easier answer for this. It is Niles. It is Niles. It is Niles. It is Niles. <laughs> um, Niles is so anxious. Like, I'm not as anxious as Niles, but I'm not not as anxious as Niles. Um, you manifest it differently. Yeah. Like, he, he's a much more exaggerated version, but, like, he, he worries about things, and he's, like, he gets in his own way all the time by trying to make things perfect, and, like... He gets he, a little, like, huffy sometimes. Oh, I just love how huffy he gets. <laughs> he's, a, he's a huffy boy. Um, but he's also such a romantic. Um, like, I, I think it's so hard not to relate to him throughout the series and how much he falls for Daphne. And obviously, like, some of it's played too big uh, to the point where you're like, okay, back it off, Niles. Yeah, you're you're like, being creepy. Dude, this is, you don't own this woman. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Please. Yeah, but there, but there are also episodes like Moondance where he gets to be close to her and you can just see how much he adores her. And yeah. that, 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 like, energy is such a beautiful tone for the show. And I just think he plays it so well. He plays it authentically and he plays a lot of heart into it. It, which yes. is something that I really like. A lot of times you can play those crushes uh, over the top. You can, you know, you can Jim and Pam and just being like, well, you know, they're pretty cute, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like you can overdo it. And I think yes. that they hit it very beautifully. And I, I don't know if we're going to get into this at some point, but uh, I will say that I think they are one of the most iconic sort of will they, won't they couples. Mm, um, more than Ross and Rachel. For me, yes. Fair, um, fair, fair. I obviously Ross and Rachel were massive and we were on a break will forever be, you know, ingrained I, in our generation's uh, popular culture zeitgeist. Yeah, totally. But I yeah, there's something about Niles and Daphne that I just think like not only like here's the thing, Ross and Rachel, they got together. They were together for a while and then they and broke it off. And fairly early on. Yeah, totally. Um whereas like Niles is pining for seasons and seasons and seasons. So when they finally pull it off, it's so satisfying and they land that plane so well. Uh it's a Winnebago. <laughs> Very good. Hi-ya. Good reference boom, to boom, the Winnebago boom, boom, episode. Boom. Um yeah, so I I think that that's that makes me relate to him so much because like I I definitely have that like that pining romantic in me mm. um so yeah you ooh there's you no know, wrong answer it's tricky because I think I I have an idea of two people I I think you're somewhere between Daphne and Roz oh and Roz <laughs> interesting because Roz is like Roz is a badass she is a badass um, she's very cool she's like she's a badass producer um, and that's the part that I think is very you mm. is that like you when it comes to getting shit done you tolerate so many people's bullshit um, <laughs> to, uh, to like execute on the thing that needs to be done and that's half of Roz's job in the show to be like oh my god Fraser, you suck I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna continue to make you a star somehow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say that's an element of you for sure. But like the sweetness and general enthusiasm for the world, that's that's all Daphne. Oh, I was gonna throw in a to? bit of Martin in there. Oh yeah, I totally see that. Just oh, be, I totally see just that. like the the kind of uh, every man is the wrong word, but like. He's a little curmudgeonly. He, yeah. you know, just he wants to watch his TV program. He doesn't man. suffer uh, a lot of the like uh, highfalutinness of his sons. He's just yeah. like, what is this? This is ridiculous. That, this is a dynamic you and I have <laughs> in a real way. Where I'm <laughs> once like, in a while. But what? But ooh, what about this? And you're like, oh, Kaya, <laughs> Kaya, do the dishes. <laughs> just do the dishes. That's all I ask. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's a it's a good it's a good grounding uh, force. Yes, but also his love for a character that we haven't mentioned that is so critical, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Eddie. Eddie, uh, played by Moose the dog. And then his son, Enzo. Oh, that's were two dogs cute. that played him. That's um, cute. But yeah, that's, uh, Eddie is his Jack Russell Terrier. Um, uh, More iconic than most television animals. One, 100%. Like, that dog acted. <laughs> yeah, uh, that dog got the most fan mail. <laughs> Out of any of the people in yeah. the show. Oh my god. Yeah. He can't read. I know, that's what makes it so good. Do, do you think someone sat there and opened each letter and was like, okay, Moose, get ready. Here's another one. This is from Samantha in Illinois. Uh, she says she loves your trot. 
Uh, I can truly picture Moose just sitting there blank-eyed while someone reads to him. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh, But yeah, Eddie is uh, another foil to Frasier. Frasier, you know, has this beautiful apartment that he wants to take care of, make sure everything's perfect. And then in comes not only his father and his father's hideous chair, but also his father's dog, who does not give a shit about Frasier. Yeah, the chair is a character, too. Like, there's an episode where the chair accidentally falls off the balcony of the building. Accidentally. That's what this the whole argument about whether it was an accident. It catches fire and then in trying to put it out, Fraser knocks it off the balcony. How does it catch fire? I forget. It's probably Fraser's fault. <laughs> oh, most certainly it's his fault, but whether it was intentional is a side side note. Um, but Martin feels like he did it on purpose. And like I know for me, I was like, oh no, the chair. The chair, I the, love the chair. chair. The chair is so important that the series starts with the chair coming in and ends with the chair going out. That's Here's how question. iconic it is. Do you think because it's a it's a like a retro chair, do you think that chair is comfortable? Because there's some internet controversy. Really? About well, people are like, that chair looks like so cozy and comfy and other people are like it's an old piece of shit chair it would be stabbing you in the back with things no I think yes and no here's the thing would it be comfortable for me no is it comfortable for Martin yes okay because it's at this point formed to every curvature of his body absolutely absolutely I feel like it's one of those things where it's like so worn in you know it's Mm -hmm. for him like nobody else can sit in that chair no 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 it would feel weird yeah 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 okay we talked about the characters Um, let's talk about the episodes themselves what are in your mind some of the most iconic episodes of this show. Oh, and help me out with this because like there's so many, so many good ones. I would say first and foremost, if you're going to watch any single episode of Frasier out of the blue, I would say the Ski Lodge is one of my favorites of all time. So it is perfect. One thing I probably should have led with is like this show is so influenced by um, theater as so many sitcoms were, but so many of the people who worked on it were were theater people mm-hmm. and very much like French, French farce, like body French farce um, or like the, like noises off, like those, those kind of uh, comedies that are very much like people running indoors, people coming out of doors, people like misunderstanding something from a different room and then that causing more problems like farce yeah. um, is very, very influential on this show and there's no better example of it than the ski lodge. Yeah. Um, where six of them go up to a ski lodge. They all have different rooms. They, they all, all want to sleep with someone sleep different. With, yeah. <laughs> and none of them knows, like none of them understands who what everybody else wants. And it's just beautiful chaos. Like the choreography of this chaos is so fun. Yeah, there's that the one central part where they just keep opening doors and sneaking into another door. And then they find someone that, oh no, it's this person. And then oh someone finds another person in another door. And they all just want to have sex with each other. It's ridiculous. It's it's a beautiful half hour. It's um, absolutely stunning. Some other iconic ones, I would say there's a Valentine's Day episode um, where I, I don't, I actually don't remember all of the elements of this episode, but there is one sort of five to seven minute segment that is entirely or almost entirely silent of David Hyde Pierce. Of the Niles. ironing? Yes. <laughs> Niles preparing for a date that he's having at Fraser's house because Fraser is letting him use the apartment. Um, and it's, it's literally just him getting ready for this date. He's trying to iron his pants. He's trying to cook some some pasta. He's uh, like, that. that's it. Except the series of events gets so out of control, like he cuts his finger, he faints, he falls over the iron. <laughs> like it is, again, if you want to see a masterclass of comedy. thinking about it. Sometimes I just put it on to make myself feel better it's about so the world. Good. Like it's, it's so wonderful and it's so evocative of like old school, like Chaplin, Buster Keaton, like that's the influence there. And like, oh, it's just, it's just so fun to watch. I'm, and Pierce plays it perfectly. One of the things I like so much about uh, the comedy styles of Frasier is there's a, there's almost an innocence to it. Like it's, um, there's a, a childlikeness to it where these things are happening. There's no malice in any of it. It's just goofball comedy of the most beautiful physical form. Yeah. And I think because it's, it does the, the thing of punching up is that you, these characters are just so fun to watch fall over themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so delightful. And like, they get the, they get the format of this show so, so well that like over the course of many seasons, there's like a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it already as fans of this network, you must go onto the Grunge internet Frasier. and watch Grunge, Grunge Frasier by John Blair. It's Jocelyn Getty's also in it. Doing a picture perfect 
Daphne. It's so good. Um, basically, the pause pre- this episode. Yeah. Stop it right stop now. Stop it. Stop it right now. If Go you're not watch gonna it. Stop it. Come back. Then you can listen to Kai's description. Yeah, but basically, it's just Fraser. If they were talking about the Seattle grunge scene, um, uh, Seattle specifically, I don't know my grunge as well as I know my Fraser. Seattle was the big grunge. Yes, epicenter. yeah. Um, and it is just perfect. That's all I'll say. Go watch it. Um, but that's because the 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 reason a sketch like that works so well is that the rhythms of Fraser are so well defined um, that like at this point I can just put on a an episode in the background and it just feels comforting. And you know where the laughs are going to come in and you know when to turn your attention to it because you can feel the jokes yep. ramping up. Yep. Um, another one, it's another Niles moment, and I don't remember specifically what episode this is from, but it involves a bird on his head. Oh, my God. I think it's a ba- Halloween baby? episode. I think, I think the, yeah, it, I think he's throwing a big party yeah, at his house at and his it gets house. stuck on his head. Oh, my God. Oh, that's such a good episode. Um, there's also the uh, the Winnebago one mm-hmm. where they uh, they cross the Canadian border and Daphne's not supposed to, <laughs> uh, so she has to pretend to be an American coming back. That one's great. Moondance is one of the big ones mm-hmm. where uh, uh, Niles and Daphne... These uh, are all Niles Central episodes. Um, I mean, there's other there's other really really great ones. Um, one of my absolute favorites is the Leap Day episode. Do you remember this episode? No. This is another one that if I was like, if you have to go watch one Frasier episode, go watch the Leap Day episode. Um, because the premise is that uh, Frasier is supposed to sing for this charity event. Um, and he always sings this song, Buttons and Bows. Um, it's always his go-to. And this year he is determined to take a leap because it is a, a Leap Day. Um, and he's going to try singing a really complicated aria. Um, and he's practicing and he's struggling with it. But in the meantime, he tries to convince a bunch of other people. He convinces Martin to take a leap. He convinces um, Roz to take a leap, Daphne to take a leap, and none of them work out for any of oh, them. Oh, no. Um, but there is a final moment um, at the end where he he chickens out and tries to sing the old song again, and he forgets all of the words. And that moment of him playing, forgetting all of the words is so, so funny. Well, and I think it, it that also really speaks to the part of the comedy of this is that Frasier as a character is so flawed and so often the the message of it is this guy kind of sucks. Yeah, he's a blowhard. He's an absolute blowhard. He's uh, a total snob. He's rude. He's condescending. Yeah, and oh yeah. He suffers for it. Yes. And absolutely. I think that's part of why it ages so well as well is that it doesn't it doesn't punch down at all. No. And like he has a good heart in there. Um, I think that's that's the like that's the message of the show, right? Is that like underneath all of these pretensions, other, underneath all of these beliefs, whether you like to drink beer or wine, whatever it is, it doesn't matter really if at the heart of it all you love each other. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, why do you think Frasier has the legacy that it has? Oh, you know what? I think partially it's because um, if we look at the time that it existed in, um, yeah. TV, what was it? When did it run from? Oh, I don't know the exact dates. I should know the exact dates. Um, but I'll look it up while you talk. It was in the 90s. Um, I think it would have been like 93-ish to early 2000s. I might be wrong about that. Keep talking. I'll find out. Great. Um, so it started in 1993. You're right. Damn it. I'm good. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would say that, um, I would say that part of the element is that like People were watching a lot of TV in the 90s, but we were all watching the same TV um, or close to it. Like, obviously, there were there were different demographics, but it wasn't like Netflix streaming is now where we're all watching very much within our own algorithms mm-hmm. um, and that you can totally miss things. This show ran for like nine seasons. Eleven seasons. Eleven seasons. Oh, there you go. 93 to 2004. Um, I don't know why I always think it's nine. Yeah, eleven seasons. That's huge for a TV show. That's a lot. Yeah, for a sitcom especially. Yeah. Um, So I think just like it was omnipresent. It was also nominated for awards on awards on awards. Um, Like they won lots and lots of Emmys. Uh, Yeah, I think it was just like there's always a comedy or a couple comedies that define an era. Like in the early 2000s, 30 Rock was kind of yep. dominating. Uh, and then and The Office, right? Like those are sort of the iconic comedic moments of that era, at least in American television. Mm-hmm. I think Frasier and Friends were the two big dueling like heavyweights. And I think that they were the 8 and 8.30 slot on NBC. Yes, yeah? I think so. Yeah, there's always like a, com- a Thursday comedy Thursday lineup. Thursday comedy, yeah. And those um, were the two like back-to-back that yeah, you had to tune in for. A hundred percent. Yeah, I've totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. What impact do you think this show had on television? Well, I mean, I think one of the things about it is that like Frasier is a writer's show. 
Yes. Um, like there's some shows that are are by writers for writers, and Frasier's among them. Community is among them. And what do you when you say it's a writer show? What does that mean? That's a very good question. What do I mean by that? Because a lot of people, you know, it's easy to say because you are a TV writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for people who aren't, what does that mean? And like, I, I want to cla- clarify, like, they weren't writing just for writers. I think it's just no, really appealing not. to writers. Um, and I think it's because it, it, A, knows its comedic history so well, um, and it draws from it in a, in a really clear way. These writers had also been working on Cheers for years and years and years, so they were so experienced. Um, so they, like, if you read the pilot of Frasier, which I have done several times, it's, <laughs> it's, Nerd. it's so good. Like, it's structured surely perfect right out of the gate and that's like that's hard to do in a pilot and what do you um, when you say structurally perfect what does that mean uh, every act in the pilot introduces a new character mm-hmm. um, so I think you like start with Niles then you go into Martin then you go into or something like that um, sort of focuses on a different part of their world yeah. um, so you really get like a clean open introduction to everybody by the end of the pilot you feel as though like you have you now fully understand the world you're ensconced in mm-hmm. um, they uh, introduce sort of like all, all of the elements that you that they need um, but it's still murderously funny like it's still really really good yeah um, so yeah just like the way they use their act breaks the way they use their the like when they introduce all the characters it feels very clean and very well thought out um, yeah and like structurally that's uh, really hard to do is a lot of the the episodes that they write something like a, a a farce in the ski lodge that's really hard to do that's a lot of moving parts in the script yeah. that you have to keep keep working constantly and hard so, to do in half an hour in half an hour and like they don't have a lot of time in in network television at that time when you're producing like 22 episodes a season they don't have a lot of time to write these scripts yeah they and you're filling and it's not even a half an hour you have to accomplish all this in like 22 minutes because there's also commercial breaks in there yeah so that's such a short amount of time to not only set up the wants and needs of each character, but then figure out how to play them out and pay them off. 100, 100%. And like, it, it is a show that does not miss a single callback. Like, no, if there's an opportunity. It knows its legacy yeah, so well. And, it, and if there's an opportunity to start and close a joke at like, Later in the episode, they will always find it. They'll like the detail of this show of these scripts is so 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 good. Um, what was the question you asked? <laughs> I just uh, went down. What impact a hole. did it have on television? Yeah, so I think like because uh, it's still it comes up so much. Absolutely, like it, and obviously we'll talk about the reboot in a second, but yeah. like it's still present. I think that like so many people grew up watching it and like you can similar to Friends you can see the like legacy that leaves on other TV shows on people who grew up watching mm-hmm. these things um and like it sort of take that on um yeah I think I think that's that's part of it is just like it, it's a shame because sitcoms don't really exist anymore yeah um so the exact tone and style of that comedy is kind of becoming quite archaic yeah um which is I like I understand why because sitcoms kind of fell into a very like cheesy zone yes um, I think that that's now when people watch sitcoms they're very saccharine they're very they're they're not particularly, and you know you can at me about this. Please prove me wrong. Um, but they're not particularly clever. They're just very um, palatable. Yeah, um, and I think like there were plenty of uh, plenty of sitcoms like that at the time too. But like much like All in the Family took the sitcom and kicked it up several notches in terms of what a sitcom was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. I think Frasier did a similar thing, and like they always shot very high. Um, so I think now when you're when you're looking at uh, things that play with the format and so on and so forth, like the Frasier's an influence on that. Um, amazing. Uh, and one of the things I also want to touch on before we move on is there's so many famous people who oh are part God. of this show. So, so many. So we have like Patrick Stewart was on it. Bill Gates was on the show. Yep. Brian Cox was on yep. the show, as well as so many celebrity callers. That was another fun little Easter egg that you could kind of figure out. Do you yep. have any favorites? Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, one thing I want to note that's pretty funny is like they ended up having all of these guest stars. Part of the reason they set it in Seattle was so that they wouldn't get the spinoff uh, problem of having too many guest stars from Cheers. Mm. Um, they, they wanted to set it as far as possible from Boston. Well, 
Uh, on that, though, while I was researching this, it was originally supposed to be set in Denver, Denver yeah. but then they passed legislation against queer people, and the show was like, nah, we out. Yep. We out. We're going to Seattle. Then. One thing that I really feel like needs to be said as a complete aside is this show's so gay. Um, it's it's not literally gay. Um, there's definitely, like, gay panic episodes, like there are in uh, all sitcoms of the time, unfortunately. But, like, so many of the cast members were queer. Yes. Um, David Hyde Pierce was gay, which was not, uh, was not he wasn't out at the mm-hmm. time. Um Fairly certain that John Mahoney was also yep, gay. The guy who played um, Bulldog was also was gay. also gay. Like two of the most masculine characters in the show. Um, which I love that. Yeah, which like I I would like to state for the record that that's that's was a thing at the time. Is that you know queer people were afraid they'd never get to play a masculine character again if they came out. Yes. Um, that was the circumstance at the time. That is not quite the circumstance now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it like it had so many so much queer influence in it and you can really feel that in the show too is that they're like they're written to be queer in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um but there is one episode and the reason I bring this back around is there is one particular episode I love so much with Sir Patrick Stewart in it um where uh Fraser makes a new friend Patrick Stewart so excited um, about is, his friend yeah who is like an opera director and uh, they get along so well that uh, that Frasier completely misses the fact that Patrick Stewart is dating him. <laughs> um, and it's so lovely because everyone the whole time is just like, so he's your boyfriend. He's like, no, no, he isn't. No, we're just culture friends. Yeah, and no one ever, like, freaks out that he's gay. No. It's the fact that Frasier misses it. Yeah, because um, he's just so excited about this friend who yeah. has so many things in common with yes. him. And- Until he goes to a party and is introduced as his partner and he's like, oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no, what have I done? Um, so, yeah, I I love Patrick Stewart's turn in that. I think it's so he good. is so funny in that episode. Do you have any favorite callers? Oh, I don't know. That's a tricky one. It's tricky because also while you're watching the show, you don't know who those callers are until later. Yeah. So it's hard. Then you have to go back and you're like, oh, right. What was that? I remember as a kid when Elijah Wood was one of the oh, callers. Oh, yeah. Elijah Wood. And Wood's I lost my one. mind. Yeah. It was like, cool oh. shit, too, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, oh, he's on the show, but he's not on the show. Oh, my God. That's so neat. Yeah. Apparently, there was like 127 different guest stars just from the callers. Yeah. And they're all listed as just Fraser's caller on IMDb. It's so good. Yeah. What a fun way to get a bunch of people involved without having to like wrangle their schedules and get them like write a character for them. Yeah. Uh, There's also a couple other like uh, B.B. Newworth is obviously incredible. She's so good. Um, And Lilith is just an astounding character. That's another really great episode is the one where Lilith and Niall sleep together. (gasps) Yeah. I love that episode. So The guy who plays the um, room service (laughs) guy coming in and just like each time there's a different different, pairing and he's like, okay. I just love that (laughs) so much. I I think one thing that this this show really did legacy wise was bring sort of a British sensibility of comedy to America in a way. Like it's a very dry sense of comedy, which I love. Absolutely. It It, it is definitely, like, I find uh, Canadian uh, comedy tends to kind of hit that between British and American. I think that this was kind of representative of that in a way that not a lot of shows really were because the... uh, British sense of humor doesn't always tend to land with American audiences. Like, it's just a different style. Yeah. So uh, it was just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are there any behind-the-scenes facts that you think that a casual viewer may not know that they might uh, delight in? Oh, boy. I feel like I've said so many of them already. We have. We have. Yeah, yeah. I think... Moose, um, no, not Moose, Enzo, uh, the second dog. I think one of the uh, cast members adopted him. Oh. Um, I forget who it was, though. <gasps> That's so So this nice. isn't really, this is half of a fun this fact. Half of a fun fact. <laughs> there was a dog. Ooh, ooh, okay. One thing I did want to talk about, um, the apartment. Yes. Um, I feel like it just this apartment is so iconic, so much so that you might have seen the meme going around of Frasier looking out his balcony to different uh, gaming um, worlds. Have you seen that one? Well, there's that. They also have... Uh, I think it's the same account where he opens this front door and there's different video game characters. Incredible. Fraser looking at video games. I haven't I haven't seen that I one. I don't know That's why so I follow funny. so many Fraser looking at accounts. I don't know, because they're satisfying. Um, yeah, no, it's a great joke. Um, but yeah, that that view is so iconic because like people commented on that time. Uh, that view out of his apartment does not exist. 
there are no buildings that have that view. Mm. They took they took that picture off a cliff because <laughs> uh, they wanted to have the Space Needle and stuff in it because it was so uh, quintessentially. Seattle, that view does not exist. Amazing. Um, it only exists for Fraser. That's how elite he yeah, is. Yeah, but there's a, it's such an iconic view that there's a whole episode where somebody puts a flag over his balcony and he loses the view, and, like, it's a it's a whole thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's only one episode ever actually filmed in Seattle. Um, oh. It's the thousandth episode episode. Uh, episode um, where Frasier has like I think a Frasier crane day or something like that. Oh yeah like where he's in like the key to the city. Yeah and they run around Seattle yeah. trying to get to the thing. That's so funny. Um, yeah yeah that's the only one that was filmed in Seattle. The rest cool. of them were not. Um, but anyway back to the apartment. Um, the apartment is was so expensive to furnish. <laughs> No kidding. It cost him like half a million dollars to furnish that apartment set. Well, because they're also, the idea is that he's so like rich and well-to-do that he wants yeah. only the finest furniture, only the finest paintings. Yeah, which is why the chair is such a big deal. Yes. Um, but the couch is like a Coco Chanel uh, replica. Um, there's a real Eames chair yep. in there. Like that stuff all costs so much money. So much money. Um, and it's crazy because if you're going to make a set with that, like that's a lot of wear and tear on those those objects. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it was... It it was a very expensive but very intentional set to like really reflect Fraser's character and how curated he is and how much he likes order and all of those things that the show will again and again and again ruin for him. Yeah. There's also, if you look online, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, blueprints of the house layout, which, you know, in sitcoms is always fun to see, like, how did these all fit together? Could that actually work? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a bit of like logic that doesn't quite fit. Absolutely. There's one giant uh, imaginary wall where the audience is. Yes. The fourth wall, the fo- if you Ooh. will. Ooh. All right. We have to talk about the reboot. Um, yeah. Recently, they came out with Frasier uh, uh, 2023. Um, David Hyde Pierce, Jane Leaves, and obviously John Mahoney, who has since passed away, are yep. not in it. Uh, what do you think uh, about the decision to do the reboot without so many core cast members? Look, uh, I understand why they're doing it. Um, partially, what a lot of these reboots are for is to get you to go back and watch the original. Because how some of these streaming services are making their money is through legacy properties. Mm -hmm. So quite a lot of them don't really care so much if you watch much of the reboot. It's really just to drive you back to the other thing. Um, So I don't think it would get in their way to not have those cast members. Um, They also probably didn't agree to do it. I would be my guess. If mm. I if I were them, I probably wouldn't have. Like, you go out on such a high with this amazing show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just feels like I wouldn't want to come back and do it. Um, yeah, I we watched a couple episodes of yeah. it. What do you think worked and what do you think didn't work? The writing was fairly solid. Yeah. Um, I think like, Kelsey Grammer's still very much Frasier, and yeah. he still hits those comedic yeah. notes. Totally. And he, he remembers how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like in him. I don't think everyone else can meet his caliber. Yep. Um, I think some people can, but it just feels like, to me, the original cast is Frasier. Like, I, the issue I have with a lot of these reboots is they're often based on a character that existed and was perfected with other characters. Yeah, and the reason Frasier was a good character was because of the, the core cast circling around him and yeah. elevating that character. Yeah, it's the the whole organism of the thing that mm. creates the tone, that creates the pace, that creates all the things that like make the the thumbprint of that that show. Yeah. Um and I feel like you can get the tone, you can get the pace to some degree, but like without those other characters, it's just not Frasier for me. Um, also, so. it's so weird. So uh, the the reboot centers around Frasier having to try to make a relationship with his son, Freddie. Which, you know. Freddie in the original show was just like Frasier. Like he was such a weird little like uptight, stressed out little kid. And now he's like, a bro. Yeah. He's like a sports bro. He has a Joe job. He's a laid back millennial type. He's supposed to be obviously the Martin equivalent, uh, which is weird. Like it just, yeah, it just doesn't quite, quite I know why they did that. Yeah. Because you need that counterpoint to Frasier. But it just, 
it's not even the performances that are the issue for me. It's the structure of it. It's the like, yeah. who are these people and how they interact together? And it just feels so forced. Yeah. And I think that like for, for me, similar to this is the idea that like when you do reboots, you take care, like the story was what that character needed to learn in the moment. And mm. I know that, that like people go on learning lessons forever and ever, but in order to open up a character's story, you have to give them this, this like these new lessons to learn or they're relearning old lessons mm-hmm. and that feels weird yeah you know it, it like he learned this lesson with with Martin with his dad and when the show ends you hope that he carries that on and um, so it is a little bit of a like deflate to be like oh I guess he didn't learn any yeah, of that he's that, backslid yeah that's that's kind of what it feels like is that it feels like they kind of have to backslide like for instance this was my issue with Veronica Mars mm. um, like when we watched oh, the reboot yeah, when season the, of that the movie and just like oh man you you got out yeah, of your small town and that's now you just thing. haven't moved forward it's like to see Veronica Mars a character who was so smart and you had so much hope for her that she was going to get out of the stupid town that she hated and she was going to get out alive Ugh, um, it's so disappointing and to have her go back yeah it feels like oh go back man. and be sad and like Oh, this makes me sad for the character I loved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know that, like, and and I know that that's how life works. But also, I, sometimes I don't want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> like, I will say the person who plays Niles and Daphne's son, I thought did a delightful job of filling in that yes. that character's absence. I totally agree. He he really uh, holds the David Hyde Pierce spot. I feel like that guy just watched hours of only David Hyde Without Pierce and was just like, how do I get this in my body? Without question. And he did a fairly good job of it. Like, again, I can see where all the characters are going to go. I can see how they're going to bounce off each other. Like, it's technically good. Uh, like, it's just hollow. It, yeah. it feels a bit hollow to me. Yeah, and I, it feels like it's it's trying to do something that's already been accomplished. Yeah. And that's what's hollow about yeah. it. Like, if you were to come at it on its own, it might be fine, but, like, it, it stands in the shadow of a giant. And what a terrible place to have to stand. <laughs> yeah, totally. Terrifying. You could get crushed. <laughs> um, what's the nerdiest thing you've done in relation to this fandom? Um, I... Definitely went to the original Starbucks in Seattle because that's a thing that they talk about a lot in Fraser is that like Starbucks was new. Yeah. Um, and he can't go without a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> um, so I uh, I went there. Like part of why why I went to Seattle originally was was to wander around and like oh. just I know it wasn't shot there, but just to like understand what the world of Frasier would feel like. Yeah. Um, oh, God, what else? I don't know. This is just like a comfort watch for me, so I just feel like once every year or two we put it on, probably around Christmas, because it just feels like home. Yeah, man. I, as we're talking about this, I'm like, we're going to go home and watch all of Frasier again. It really feels like we are. I know I should take in new media. I know I should. No, there's so much to watch. But I can't. But also, I just love David Hyde Pierce so oh, much. I just want to watch him all day. Okay, we're about to get into hot takes, but before we do uh we just got a little thing to share with you yeah there's some exciting news so um the from superheroes network this network has a brand new podcast and i'm in it um basically it is a a DD podcast where a bunch of incredibly fun funny people get together to play DD. it's called comedians in dungeons getting dragons um it is one of the most chaotic things i've ever been involved in i'm very happy and proud of it um and here is a little teaser for you right now listen to this Hi, I'm Niall Seguin, the DM of Comedians in Dungeons Getting Dragons, an actual play podcast where a bunch of diverse comedians play D&D and things like this happen. But he's the boss. That, that's his whole thing. He tells you to go and you go. I have terrible news for you. Institutions are mostly corrupt, okay? <laughs> so just uh, you're just going to need to accept that before we move forward. And just to say it, one of you is covered in blood and shit. Yeah, um, I'm making my way downtown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can learn and grow from this point, though. Well, we're going to see about that. (laughs) Okay, now I get it. Whereas most campaigns, they give inspiration for good ideas. We're just doing jokes. I get it. All right, okay. It's in the title. It's in the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm with it now. And if you like that, imagine how much more you'll enjoy it in context. Probably a lot. Listen to the full adventures. Subscribe to Comedians in Dungeons Getting Dragons today, wherever you get your podcasts. Doesn't that sound sick? Honestly, oh. some of the, the episodes we have recorded are the hardest I've laughed in a long time. Kaya comes back different after recording these episodes. <laughs> Kaya comes back so sharp and spicy. It's <laughs> such a fun time. 
It's delightful. I've never felt like the introvert at a table. <laughs> so uh, one of my hot takes, this first one, I did want to bring it up. You already talked about it, but this hot take is from the Daily Beast, Nico Lang. Frasier was a gay show for straight people. Absolutely. No question about it. Like, it, it, I, it's hard to talk about it without talking about the stereotypes about, like, gay men at the time. But, mm. like, yeah, the, the so much of the humor, of the jokes, of the references were things that would have been considered, like, too fruity yeah. for a lot of other things. So, like, it was really welcoming in an audience and saying, part of this is for you. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there were those those queer actors in it, they infused a lot of that into that. It is like wanting this to be for their people as much as for uh, a mass TV audience, which is what most sitcoms are designed for. Yeah. Um, so, like... It just, when you put it next to something like Friends, which was just the epitome of no homo in a lot of places. Oh my god! Like gosh. how they deal with, and I love Chandler, I do, but how they deal with Chandler's mom um, is is rough. And it's um, fascinating with those two shows being so popular at the same time, mm-hmm. being so iconic, the absolute different handling and the way that both of them aged. Because yeah. one of them aged very well, in my opinion. Yeah, with the exception of a couple episodes that yes. are rough. But... but Friends, I feel like, and I haven't watched it again in a long time, so this is with a big caveat, but I feel like Friends didn't totally age quite as well. There's some, there's definitely some things, and like and specifically the no homo aspect of it. Yeah, and it, don't don't get me wrong, it, we sh- like shouldn't overlook the fact that Friends had the first lesbian wedding ever on television. Mm-hmm. So they, it did it did things. It wasn't exclusively bad, um, but no, ladies can be homo though. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only female homo. Yeah, yeah. is that it? Yeah. Let's let's make that acronym. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, but it just feels like. While Frasier was not explicitly queer, um, it was implicitly queer. It was, like, very much there for the audiences that wanted to hear it. Mm -hmm. All right. This one is, um, the show was about nouveau riche snobs with all their pretensions to superior genes and elitism, when really they were just one generation removed from being common working class slobs. The chair symbolized where they came from. Interesting. Yeah. I mean... Y- yes, I obviously this show is very much about class mm-hmm. um, and the differences between class. And uh, I think the the ultimate message is there aren't many, you know, like at the end of the day, we all just like what we like. And yeah. that's fine. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to be arguing about that. Obviously, there's a lot of elements to class that do not involve. Oh, it's just what I like. Yeah, um, there's obviously <laughs> lots of power dynamics and stuff like that. Um, don't get mad at me, Karl Marx. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's but coming for you. Watch your back. I think what it's trying to do is bridge that gap. Mm. Um, and uh, I think one thing that's worth recognizing is like the their mother was an intellectual um and a psychologist as mm-hmm. well um so like i think it's the the mix of both of them yeah um and the mother's passed away long before this show yes. takes place so we don't we learn about her through their stories yeah but never meet the character and i think more than anything the mother is the the go between between the two of them because you can see how much martin loved her mm-hmm. and that's such a sweet element of the show is how much he loved his wife yeah um and and when he scolds the kids, like he at sometimes invokes the mother. Yeah. It was just like mother she would, would be, be a, disappointed. Yes. In you. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I think like I, I think you're right. The, the the chair is is definitely emblematic of something. You yeah. know. Um. I don't know if it's like where they came from, but you know maybe it is because they are very like they are very uh um. They were not a rich family growing up. No, and I think they they as characters really disdain that. Like, there's one great episode where Martin takes them to a steakhouse and they spend the entire time They're just such assholes. being They're dicks. awful. Being dicks. And, like, by the end of it, Martin's like, I came here to have a nice time. You two are awful. Please leave. Yeah. And they really learn their lesson. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I think that's so much, so much of it is going both ways. Martin learning about them, them learning about Martin. Yeah. All right. Uh, the writers had no idea what to do with Daphne's character. Had they gone with their original idea of casting Rosie Perez, they would have had more socioeconomic stories to play with. Whoa, interesting. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a good element to to note is that this is a very white cast, mm-hmm. very very white cast. Um, definitely a big flaw in a lot of sitcoms at the time. And originally the uh, the personal caregiver was going to be uh, Latina mm-hmm. or Latinx. Um, and Which yeah, I would have loved to see that dynamic with Fraser and Niles uh, trying to understand this. Uh, outside of their, again, very white, liberal, elite totally. world and trying to, because they already have challenges uh, interacting with Daphne because she's also uh, a bit out there. Yeah, and that's why they made her sort of a... Psychic? Well, <laughs> no, I was going to say uh, lower class as Britain goes yes. um, because she actually changed her accent for the for the show. Oh. That's not her accent. Oh. Uh, she had to work with a vocal coach to get a Manchester accent down. Um, but yeah, they, she comes from sort of like a, a more working class family. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. If you, if you just look at it on paper, I obviously still love Jane oh, Leaves. And she did a phenomenal job. She I really think that did. it speaks nothing to her no, yeah. performance and her job, but more of the, the writing for that. Character. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, maybe not that they ran out of places for her to go. Although I will say in the later seasons after she and Niles get together are the weakest seasons yes. by, by no question. Yeah. There. And that's um, always tough when you have this, will they, won't they? And yeah. then the answer is yes, they will. Yeah. And then what happens? And absolutely some of the worst episodes of the show are the fat shaming episodes where she is actually pregnant in real life. Um, but they had to cover that. So they, they had the character just get fat so problematic so problematic does not work at all really bad Um, but uh, yeah so I I can definitely see what you're saying and I would have loved to see a version of the character that was uh, that was yeah more different than them uh, this one, Fraser's primary value was as lifestyle porn. Ooh, look at me in my enormous apartment that I can easily afford, spending my free time going to plays and galleries and working a job I don't have to be very good at. <laughs> he wasn't very good at his job, was he? Look at my life where my only real troubles are ridiculous cell phones, so any reasonable viewer with my life wouldn't have problems at all. Yeah, I mean, like, you're describing a sitcom. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much most sitcoms. Like, obviously, lots of sitcoms take place and like the household um, but like they're all fantasies of something mm-hmm. whether it's like a a family that you know loves each other or like it, none of them are taking place in very like dramatic circumstances that's kind of the issue but yeah I mean you're not wrong like it was very much very metropolitan so much so that uh, the number of people moving to Seattle uh, went up what? because people wanted to live like Fraser. Oh my god. Um, so yeah that's totally real um, but you know I think it also does say some some things in the positive of like you know there's nothing wrong with loving your chair and your dog and your TV. Heck yeah. Um, Fraser's an entirely different character from the guy on Cheers. He just happens to have the same name and the same applies to the reboot. You're absolutely not wrong about that. There <laughs> were many things that were, were changed mm-hmm. um, between uh, Cheers and Frasier. Why um, do you think that they did that, though? Like, because clearly they they liked something in that character, yes. whether it was Kelsey Grammer or yeah, it was namely Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> oh, got it, got it, got it. Um, but uh, uh, originally, it actually wasn't going to be a Frasier reboot uh, or spinoff. Rather, um, they were going to make a completely different show, mm. um, and then the network wanted them to make a Frasier. Because Cheers was so popular. Because Cheers was so popular, exactly. So um, that was initially not the plan. Uh, Part of the reason is because as a main character, you write a main character differently than you write a side character. Mm. Um, A side character is always going to be goofier, sillier. Um, They're going to provide more of the comic relief. A main character has to be a little little more grounded. Mm -hmm. So that's part of how they changed it. The, The biggest thing that I found changed is he was a guy who went to a pub every night and drank beer. Yes. Um, and while he was more one of the more snobby people who was there, did he, he still... Did he drink beer or did he drink wine? That's a good question. I'm watching enough Cheers to... Mm. to but like, you know, the, that is an element that changes in Frasier. And I think you can chalk that up to like a different time of life, a different thing that he's attempting. Yeah. But yeah, there, there were... They've, they've gone on record to say they changed a bunch of stuff about the character in order to make it work in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Frasier, when it comes down to it, should have ended up with Lilith. Hmm. You know what? I see what you're saying. They are lovely together. 
um, in a way, when they're not screaming at each other. Um, but, but isn't I, that just passion? <laughs> isn't that just love it, disguised? First of all, when someone sleeps with your brother, I think maybe that relationship is done. Maybe. <laughs> maybe don't do that. Um, secondly, um, I think that one of the things I like about their relationship is how, how they manage to find a cool equilibrium with each other and still care about each other um, while not being in a relationship. And I, 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 think, I think that's quite lovely. All right. This is my hottest take that I found. Daphne should have stayed with Donnie and Niles should have ended up with Roz. What? <laughs> oh, you just scrambled my brain. I don't, uh, this one, I've just, it was too. Why? Too, there was no explanation. The it was I, a standalone statement. I, I know that there are people who ship Roz and Niles because they have a very like combative relationship. They're making fun of each other constantly. They're so mean to each other. Niles is so mean to Roz. Yeah. Oh, so mean. He dis dislikes her so much. He's, he's constantly slut shaming her. Mind you, she gets her own too. He, oh yeah. He's very easy to make fun of. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, I respect your opinion and you can feel that way Donnie wasn't right for Daphne either they were lovely together but I feel like she that I don't feel like that that was the right relationship for her but do you only feel that way because you love the idea of her without and Niles without I won't even argue with that yes I love her and Niles I love their relationship and I love the how I love this the episodes where she breaks up the wedding with Donnie. When she gets into that Winnebago, oh. um, I my heart just explodes. I remember watching that live on TV. Yes, same. Um, Be like, oh, it's happening! I, I can't be objective about this question. I can't. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> All right. What is uh, your hottest take that you need to get out into the world about Frasier? Um, this isn't a super hot take, I guess, but le le let me think on this while I say this. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it needs a reboot. Um, I think it, it did what it meant to do. Um, I but think if, if by having a reboot it has brought a new generation to the original series, is that not successful? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Are a lot of Gen Zers like, oh, fuck yeah, going to check out this Frasier reboot. Maybe I'll find something I like. I hope so. I don't think it's for those people. Oh. <laughs> um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I have I have Gen absolutely Zers, no idea. Gen Zers, all of you listening to our podcast. Yes. Do you like Frasier now? <laughs> we, we, the, we simply need to know. Inquiring minds need to know. Sorry, I interrupted your hot take. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. If I, you know, the worst thing is I'm going to, we're going to finish this episode and I'm going to be like, no, I got it. Um, I think it could have ended a little sooner. Yes. I think it, it starts to, starts to really stretch out at the end. Yeah. Um, which, you know, like, I, I feel like you're right. They do run out of runway on Niles and uh, Daphne. Where Although, should it have ended then? Like when they get together? Possibly pretty soon after. Yeah. yeah. Um, it can be a little hard to watch uh, Frasier's female conquests. Through a lot of the show, yeah, that that one I have so trouble with gross. sometimes. Boo. Um, again, he always gets punished when he behaves badly, mm -hmm. and that I think is is the good thing about it. Um, that's why it's it's still ages okay. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's the big stuff. Yeah. I'd say. All right. At the end of every episode, we like to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we're going to do in one little hot moment. But before we do, here's some other ways you can connect with us. Uh, you can find us on social media at Fandom Show Pod or at our website, thefandomshow.com. Also, please tell all your friends about us if you enjoy the show. And please, if you can, review the show. Uh, I know we say this at the end of every episode, but it really, really, truly helps us uh, get found by more people. It helps us move up in podcast charts. Uh, we read every single review. So um, mm -hmm. anything you put there, we will see with our very own eyeballs. Uh, and we can reach more people and hopefully have uh, just spread the love of fandom. Yes, absolutely. We also have merch. Uh, you can head over to thefandomshow.tpublic.com and snag our faces and your favorite things like shirts, mugs, more. Um, more? More. Yeah. You can also find us on the From Superheroes Discord where you can meet other fans or hit us up directly. Um, also, on the Discord, um, we have a hot takes uh, section where yes. we've got, uh, when we put this one up, there's some good discussion. I love watching people interact over their own opinions about the things that we're covering. It's very fun. Please come over. 100%. And our theme song is by Yusu Kim, and our logo is by John Blair. 
We're into micro fandoms. Kaya, what are you liking? I am reading a book called The Overstory. It is wonderful. The author's name has escaped me in this moment, and I don't have my phone. Um, oh, that sucks because they did such Keep a good job. Keep talking about it. I'll find it. Um, so, yeah, the uh, it's a story that connects a bunch of different uh, people's lives. Richard Powers. Thank you, Richard Powers. You'd think looking at a book every single day, I would remember that. You're looking thing, on the inside. You ain't looking on the outside. That's right. That's how one reads a book. <laughs> if you're just looking <laughs> on the, the inside, inside out, <laughs> you are doing it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> some saying about that book's covers, I don't really remember. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely book. Um, it's very much about like the importance of trees and taking care of our environment. When I say it like that, it sounds really boring, but it's a really really compelling read <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's blown my mild mind wide open love it so much you got to check out the overstory uh steph what are you uh what are you into so this is an interesting one because i was i'm very into it but also i hate it um <laughs> a bit uh which is squid game the challenge oh boy so Netflix was like, hey, you know what a great message out of the end of Squid Game this show was? Uh, let's put real people in these situations and see them fight for money. Yeah, it's very much that tweet that I sent you, the like famous author created the Torment Nexus from the book Do Not Create the Torment Nexus. It's, <laughs> it's then, a wild show. <laughs> it's, you know, they're trying to recreate a lot of Squid Game. I don't want to, you know, by this point, it's been out for a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to spoil it. So if you don't want it spoiled... Stop the episode, yeah, I guess. Or just, like, go go for Plug your ears. Sing a song to yourself. Um, go watch Grunge Fraser. <laughs> yes. Or the original Squid Game, because that is what I'm going to do at the end. But it's basically, brilliant. it is 456 challengers get together playing Squid Game-like games uh, to try to find out one person who's going to win the the big bucks at the end but it's fat it's it's hard not to watch like i'm i'm drawn to it because it's so weird they the mess they got it wrong they got the message wrong it's doing literally every single thing that squid game was against absolutely <laughs> every single Everything, thing which is like i know i'm contributing to the problem by watching it yeah oh no i've done bad things. yeah um but when they like when they lose a challenge at the beginning they have these like packs under their shirts that explode and then the people slump like they were shot oh it's it's so bizarre uh that i can't stop thinking about this show i'm not going to spoil the the full ending but like it I'm just no. I will spoil it. It doesn't end with Squid Game. It, they no, don't play they don't the play game Squid, Squid Game, <laughs> and so I just can't stop thinking about the show. It's driving me just bonkers. Um, so I guess that's a micro fandom. I guess. I mean, if it's if it's, it's a micro torment. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a version. <laughs> yeah, I'm just of sitting that. in it going, oh, <laughs> what? But I can't stop thinking about it, and therefore that's why I felt like I had to share it as my the thing I've been into. Oh, this is. Dark times. Um, thank you so much for listening. I was going to say, Kaya, where can we find you? But the answer here. is here. It's here. You know where to find us. <laughs> it's on the internet. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please go watch Frasier. The reboot, that's up to you. Meh. What, but Squid Game, the, the challenge, that's up to you. Um, but till next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. Bye-bye. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.